This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Ad Astra. Space! are now recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe I am Aaron and Abe is unfortunately not here he was called into work at the last second but out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly we cover some various movie topics jump into a mostly spoiler free review then jump back to the other movie topics this is episode 378 378 and for this main feature of the week we're talking Ad Astra the latest film from director James Gray starring Brad Pitt and uh, yeah joining us this is what I meant to do, and I forgot to, is to write these intros, and now I feel bad. Because I have a good intro for one of our guests, and two others, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, but joining me this week, we have, from Wrath Reviews, trying to arrange a way to skydive from just outside the Earth's atmosphere, it's Jordan Wrath. <laughs> nice one. Howdy. How's it going? Also joining us, from Awards Circuit, he's gone to Infinity, and he's come back to tell us about it, it's Joseph Braverman. Hey everyone, what's up? And also joining us, from Lenoir Artur. It's Darren Johnson. Hi. How are all of you doing this evening? Fantastic. I have Emmy Whiplash for sure. Just got out of here. <laughs> what, what, did, what did you have for comedy, limited series, and drama, Joseph? What, where, oh where, I know you predicted uh, I failed pretty much everything except Game of Thrones. Um, I had for comedy, I predicted limited series when they see us. Drama I did get, which is Game of Thrones. Variety sketch, I don't really pay attention to that category. So. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> you win some, you lose some, right? That's that's, that's Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, we have a new commentary track out for First Blood. That's up on iTunes and everywhere you can find our show now. That was a lot of fun to record. Me and Scott Mendelson and Brandon Peters, we all took a big deep dive into the Sylvester Stallone film in anticipation of Last Blood, which came out this week. Um, so, yeah. That's up. And what else? October is coming very soon, which means that we will have our special October horror series this all that month. Uh, that's where we do a number of episodes all related to the horror genre, which is a lot of fun. And we'll have a variety of guests on for that one, but generally the ones that we usually have, which is Brandon Peters, Jimmy O, Jason Coleman, if we can get them. So yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun to go through. And that's, I think, it, except for iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for out now there and Abe. You can do just that. You can give us a rating and review. That'd be great. Thank you in advance. And okay, let's uh, get to know everybody. Each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, I better get to know everybody. I have a question for you guys. Shoot. Assuming you could travel into space, what planet would you want to visit? Ooh. Let's say there's, you know, we have the whatever devices so you can safely travel to said planet. Maybe mm -hmm. not necessarily stand on said planet, but you can still go to it. Where where you want to go? Saturn. Oh my god, Venus, because I can't find love on Earth, so go to Venus. <laughs> <laughs> I do Saturn as well, but I want to go to Saturn and view the rings from being on the surface. Ooh. So my stipend is I have to be on the surface of Saturn. Probably look like Halo. Probably. <laughs> which would be wild. You just need uh, the Abermack family to open the gate. 
Oh wait, no, that was on Jupiter. Exactly. Wrong, wrong planet. Sorry. Um, I mean, it's just fun to say Neptune, you know. Like that's, that's where I want to go, though. That's a lot of trip. That's a lot of things to do. A lot of planning. Jupiter seems like a whole mess. Like anybody going to Jupiter seems like they have problems. So I don't know about that. Saturn seems like a pretty well-rounded one. And there's a lot of moons. There's a lot of moons in both these planets. So, yeah, one of those. That's probably about right for me. Anyway, that's how we do it. That's how we play. No, everybody. Let's move on now. Let's get to some Out Now Quickies, TM, where each week we talk about one main movie of the week, but we always have other movies that we see during the week. That's how we have a segment called Out Now Quickies. TM. Uh, let's, start with, let's start with Jordan. Jordan, any other movies you've seen recently? Um, no, but I did retro-review Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade fairly recently while I was on a work trip, and I quite loved that movie. And I've been watching, uh, not a movie, but been watching Undone on Amazon Prime, which is that new animated one with Bob Odenkirk, and that is super, super interesting. Very well done. Yeah, we talked about that last week. It's from the creator of BoJack Horseman. It also stars Russell yep. Salazar, and it's like a rotoscope animation. I've, uh, yep. I've seen a few episodes at this point. Yeah, it's very cool. Like, it's very, yeah. very, for one thing, it's very entertaining, but also just the way they're using the animation, I think, really suits the story they're trying to tell. Totally. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those shows that I watched it not knowing a thing about it, and it did not go in the direction that I thought it would I, for yeah. the better. Yeah, I only knew that it was doing it this style of animation, so I was like, oh, everything yep. else is a surprise to me. <laughs> so. Yep. Uh, Terrence, how about you? What have you seen recently? Um, Hustlers was the thing that I've seen the most recent, um, and I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, great soundtrack, good performances. It kind of sags a little in the middle, um, but then sort of picked itself up back up towards the end, so that was good. All picked right. itself up with an Ursher cameo. <laughs> yes. That was great, a great moment. <laughs> that was. Joseph, how about you? What have you seen recently? I, too, have seen Hustlers. I enjoyed it. Um, but actually, the movie that I saw that I really fell over, over heels for was The Report, which is coming out in a couple months, I think. I think it's getting a small theatrical window and then it'll jump right to Amazon Prime. That was amazing. Like, it's great for movie. It's great for people like me, horrible people who basically only follow the, the news through Twitter feeds. So it's like, <laughs> I like to learn the whole story about, about like the CIA torture cover up was just like, I, I was basically like, you know, those Looney Tunes characters have the jaw like all the way down on the floor. That was me like the entire movie. So <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, go see that movie. If you like Spotlight, go see that movie. And that's Scott Z. Burns directed that, right? That is him. Yep. Ha- has he directed before? I know he's written like some no, Soderbergh this, films. Yeah, I know this is his directorial debut. Yeah, I'm. So. Uh, I might see that this week or in the coming week. I mean, it's going to be screening everywhere soon enough, so <laughs> I look forward to yes, seeing it for exactly. sure. I've heard lots yeah. of great things about this way, and has a great cast as well. Oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah, cool. Um, I've seen a couple things. Uh, first up is Little Monsters. Um, this one was at, just like the report. It was at Sundance. Um, it's an Australian zombie f- comedy um, featuring, among others, Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad. And it's a, about a teacher, um, like a, a good-natured teacher who plays the ukulele and is with kids on a field trip. There is another man there as well. It's an Australian actor whose name I don't have offhand, but he's like helping chaperone. And Josh Gad plays like a child's entertainer. And zombies break out, and the whole concept becomes how do these how does this group of characters keep the kids from realizing there are zombies? 
Uh, so it's a lot of it's there's a lot of we have to hide the fact that this is happening while also dealing with uh, lots of like zombie bloodshed and mayhem. I think the movie is funny enough. Uh, it's good for like a watch. I did I didn't kind of go for it in the same way that I know a lot of other people are some other people are going for it. But it, like it it has its moments. I thought it was enjoyable enough. Um, I also saw a film called Haunt. Uh, this is from oh, what are their names? It's Beck and Woods are their last names. They're the, they're the two the, the duo that wrote uh, A Quiet Place. This is their direct their they've direct they've written and directed this film. It's a horror film. It's about a group of teenage or college students I think, and they go to a haunted house and it's an extreme haunted house. But it turns out the people operating said haunted house are actually there to cause great pain. Um, so it's uh like. <laughs> what if the haunted house came alive type of situation and it's quite good i i really enjoy i quite enjoyed this movie i think it's well made the there's a level of suspense there that really works um it's a lot of fun uh the it gets pretty brutal um and so it feels like a a good combination of things like like joseph i know you you liked escape room i think it has a lot of elements of like escape room (laughs) the collector uh, a real big callback. Toby Hooper's The Fun House. It kind of rolls a lot of other fun horror movies together to make this kind of unique experience, and I think works pretty well. It's pretty effective. It's in limited release right now, but it's it's pretty solid. Uh, I, I I quite enjoyed it, and I certainly like. I know they these two wrote this at the same time they wrote A Quiet Place, and you can certainly see some crossover as far as the some of the ideas that you see take place. Um, but regardless, I, I thought it was just a fun movie. So yeah, it's a good one. And that, that's on the quickies. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, let's get to our trailer talk. Where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming at you. And uh, this week we are talking Midway. This is the upcoming Roland Emmerich film, which chronicles the Battle of Midway, which was considered a big turning point for the Pacific Theater of World War II. It has a large ensemble cast, as these kind of movies do, that include Ed Screen. I like how he's top billed. Patrick Wilson, Luke Evans, Aaron Eckhart, Nick Jonas, of course, Mandy Moore, Woody Harrelson, Dennis Quaid. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot of folk in this. Um, but that's Terrence. Where are you with the latest Roland Emmerich? Are you do are you a Roland Emmerich guy? Do you go for his brand of kind of cheese? I well, I'm I'm a noted Independence Day stand. Well, so um, I mean, that's, yeah. I <laughs> loved 2012. I also like 2012. Um, <laughs> I tend to, I, to, to put it out there, I tend to be a fan of Roland Emmerich. <laughs> I mean, some of his other, I haven't seen the second Independence Day because I just refuse. It's a movie. Um, <laughs> it's feature length, as me and my, my coworkers would say. Um, <laughs> I think he can, he's very hit and miss. When he, when he hits with me, it, it works. But when he uh, does not, it's like, you know, you get something like Anonymous. Did yeah. he do Day of Tomorrow or Day After Tomorrow? Yes, he did Day After Tomorrow. Yes. Oh, wait. How could I forget? I love that movie as well. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a movie uh, I've certainly watched many times, and I can't tell you why. <laughs> like, it's... It is a brilliant yet foolish um, look at climate change. I should have called you in for the commentary track that we do actually have for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, are you looking forward to it? I I think this had because I saw Ad Astra this morning, um, and in front of Ad Astra played the trailer for 1917. Yeah. Um, and so, in terms of like war movies opening up in December, 
this one just looks so cheesy in comparison to that one. Um, anytime that you hear like really loud, bombastic, like epic music in a trailer for something like this, I get a little like right away. Um, I get a little concerned about the quality and like what feelings they're trying to drum up. Um, especially cause like the way the music starts, it reminded me of the Terminator, um, trailer? theme. Oh, okay. You know, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah mm-hmm. like that. Um, but you know, I like, a lot of the actors in it, maybe it will be decent. You know, every director, it seems, has to make a World War Two movie, so... You know, maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Joe, I know you haven't seen the trailer, but I'll jump to Jordan. Jordan, where are you at with uh, with Midway? Um, I'd be more excited if his most recent film wasn't the Independence Day movie. Because as I think the year it came out was the worst movie I saw that year. Uh, that said, I think the trailer is like a pretty good cut, but that sometimes doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, I am interested to get kind of a new angle on Pearl Harbor. It seems like that will probably be the start of the movie. Uh, and I'm just kind of in general interested in World War II uh, in general. So we'll see i guess how historically accurate it goes it looks like it kind of indulges the excitement aspect of the battle so i agree i'm not sure There's what the tone is trying foolishness that seems to be going on in the yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> it looks a little star warsy um but otherwise i think i'm i'm definitely looking forward to it the battle of midway is like a very key pivotal battle i'm kind of surprised that there's not actually I don't know. Maybe there's a film about it. Yeah, and yeah, I just don't know. There's, there's one from before. Um, I think Are it's there? Called, I think okay. it's just called Battle of Midway. I mean, there's probably others, but I think it's just called Battle of Midway. Okay. Um, I think my only concern is the special effects so far kind of don't look that great. They look, there's just some gloss to them that doesn't look very realistic. So I'm hoping they iron some of that out. Yeah, it, it's coming from Lionsgate as opposed to Fox or Sony, like other studios that Emmerich has worked with in the past that have given him the, kind of the, the budget he needs for his brand of, uh, his version of Bayhem. I don't know what we call Emmerich's version of Bayhem, but we we, <laughs> we, we we could use a name for it because Emmerich's been doing this longer than Michael Bay has at this point. So. Yeah. Um, um, his name I, is Emmerich? You just call it Emmerich, Emmerich, Emmerich or something. Emmerich. <laughs> Emmerich, Emmerich. There oh, Emmerich. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Emmerich. Emmerichage. Emmerichage. Yes, there, there you go. go. Yeah. Fixed <laughs> it. Um, yeah, Henry Fonda. In the ba- That's a short film. That's not right. There's other, there's other, I know there's Midway movies. There's, let's see. 1976. Is it like... Here we go. Midway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlton Heston, Henry Fonda, James Coburn, Glenn Ford. Yeah, it's a pretty all-star. Yeah. For its time. Okay. Uh mixed reviews but it was the 10th most popular movie at the box office but yeah i mean you know putting a putting the battle of midway in 2019 goggles there's surely a, there's a lot to do with that as far as kind of where visuals are and whatnot but i mean it's I, as much as i like you know the fun aspects of roland emmerich films he's not you know he's not nolan or he's not certain other directors that can not just like throw you in there but like throw yeah. you in the moments in his own kind of way that feels like there's a little bit more going on um so like <laughs> when i saw that the trailer like the lead image was 
was you know a Jonas brother like shooting a gun out of a plane. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly going to be the, the, the next biggest movie I need to look forward to from that standpoint. But at the same time, I like a good Roland Emmerich uh, blockbuster, so I'm curious to see how this goes. So uh, with all that in mind, uh, Midway arrives in the theaters. I just had this up, and then I lost it, and I was back November again. November 8th. November 8th, so right after Veterans Day, which makes plenty of sense. Um, all right. Well, that out of the way, let's get to our let's get to, let's get to it, guys. Let's get to our main review for Ad Astra. This is Major Roy McBride. I'm attempting to reach Dr. Clifford McBride. This is Dr. McBride's son. Dad, I'd like to see you again. I recall how we used to watch black and white movies together. Musicals were your favorite. I remember you tutoring me in math. You instilled in me a strong work ethic. You should know I've chosen a career that you would approve of. Dedicated my life to the exploration of space. And I thank you for that. What is happening out there is a crisis of unknown magnitude. We believe your father may be involved. My father's dead. What exactly are you requiring from me? Exploration isn't always a noble venture. We have to hold out the possibility that your father may be hiding from us. That should have been some of the trailer for Ad Astra. Director James Gray previously made The Lost City of Z, an adventure drama featuring explorers journeying down the Amazon in search of a mysterious tribe. With Ad Astra, Gray has a, had, now has a character journeying into the final frontier. Brad, star, Brad Pitt stars as Roy McBride, an, an astronaut living in the shadow of his heroic astronaut father, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who may be responsible for mysterious blasts that are causing big problems on Earth. Roy is tasked with, with a search-and-destroy mission, which has him traveling to the edge of the galaxy with stops on the way to the moon and Mars. I'm going to start with Jordan. You've seen various space-based films dealing with a character's state of mind. What did you think of the way Ad Astra handled Pitt's character, and what did you think of the film? Um, Here's the thing. is like I was watching it, and probably for at least the first three-fourths of the film i was like this is one of my favorite films of the year uh and i think it just caters to my nerdiness a lot like they're building the world and it was still based in some realism uh i got a good chuckle of their being an applebee's on the moon but just like a lot of little details like that uh i thought built a really effective world and in that regard it felt very similar to interstellar to me which i feel like it's impossible to probably mentioned space-based films without that one in the last few years. Um, and it felt like it was building and trying to go somewhere. 
and it felt like it was going to have one of these kind of mind melting endings or big reveals. Uh, and I think that's where the film transitions way more from, Hey, I'm trying to tell this really captivating page turning novel like story to, oh, I'm going to do this full on character story and character analysis, which wasn't bad by any means. I think it just kind of took a turn that, uh, again, the nerd in me really wanted to have the big reveal at the end. Um, so I think I ended up walking away a little bit disappointed, but it's about the journey, not necessarily the destination. And in that regard, I, uh, really enjoyed the film. It also, I always have to mention, it had a really good original score. So I'm always pumped about that. All right. Terrence, where are you with Ad Astra? Um, hmm. I think there is like, um, space classic somewhere in the movie that I saw. Um, I, I too loved the score. I loved, I thought Brad Pitt was spectacular. Um, all of the other actors were really, really great. The cinematography, the effects, just the mood that James Gray put us in, in terms of like what he was doing visually and, and Hoytman Hoytman and like where they put the camera during certain shots and when we, you know, in the opening scene where he's like falling and it's like, are we in the helmet versus are we outside? I thought was really, really great. Um, I was not a fan of the voiceover that's in the movie. Um, which Joseph and I talked about on Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, every time it popped up, I was like, Oh my God, like you don't have to tell me what he's feeling or what I should be feeling or what this story is going to do because like I'm already there. Like I was enraptured by what the film was attempting to do. So every time the voiceover came through, it like sort of took me back out of it. So like it is a good movie. I just, like, but it's like every time I wanted to like really embrace the film, it kept like pushing me away. Um, but I loved the character studiness of it. Um, and even though I sort of, guess what was going on um it still was like doing enough to keep me on my toes as a viewer so i'll go uh, because uh <laughs> I, we because i think between the three of us so far uh we have a lot of similar things in common here i i, I don't i don't think any of us really disagree on what's been said together I, I think Pitt is very good uh max richter's score is very good the cinematography is great i don't think anything is, i don't think anyone's really going to disagree with most of those things like visually the movie does a lot that i think both caters to what a more general audience is seeking as well as one you know you know a critical base or whatnot something that's seeking something a little deeper than just like he's in space like there is a lot a lot of focus on how to give you a, a meditative space journey that still delivers like space fights and whatnot um I have thoughts about those things, but we'll get into it later on. Um, I, I would, I will say my initial reaction to this film was a little lesser than where I've been since then, because I do think much like you were saying, Jordan, by the time I got to the end, I didn't necessarily expect like, I don't know, the wizard of Oz to come out. And it was like just this little guy, but like it's something, something there. It feels like I've gone on a long journey to get to something that seems more simplified than I might've expected. If that's on me or the movie, who's to say, I suppose, but at the same time, my reaction to it is like, all right, 
well, we took a, a really neat journey and we got to this point and I just don't feel as there's nothing as triumphant or as kind of hitting me in the way that I felt I was going to be hit or what have you. Getting away from it a few, like a week now, I do feel the film, film has lingered with me, which I find interesting because, I mean, some movies just kind of pass in and out, even if I really like them. Where this movie, I've thought a lot about kind of what it's doing with Brad Pitt's character and what it's trying to say and just his kind of emotional nature to it. And I I find myself liking it more and more. I don't think I, I like it any more than I've already written in my review, but I do think it, it it says something that it's had a certain staying power since I've last seen it. Um, and I think that, that says something about like how successful the movie is at delivering on what it's trying to set out to do. With that in mind, yes, Pitt's very good in it. Um, there is a lot of breathtaking visuals, I think, and how kind of matter-of-fact it is. I like how it is a blend of like Interstellar and First Man. I think there's a lot of... It's kind of like fitting a Venn diagram of hitting between those two, giving you something that's kind of like hard sci-fi, but also grounded enough in its in a kind of more... Trying to be somewhat realistic. So, I yes, I like the film quite a bit. I'm not quite at the point where I'd say it's great, but I do really respect a lot of what James Gray is going for. Um, we can get more into things like the voiceover, what have you. But first, I want to get to Joseph, because I know I think you're a little higher on that, Astro. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have when you said the movie has staying power, because I think initially there was a couple of scenes where I was, I was like, OK, this movie, the concepts are simple. The story is simple, but yet I'm still lingering with it. Like, it's still resonating with me. And then the more I thought about it, the more like it just its quality just expanded in my mind. Um, I actually if I could say like hyperbolically like this is this movie i believe is this generation's blade runner i think in 20 years people are going to come back to this movie and say this is like a classic that we didn't embrace enough at the time um there's just so many little things about it that i'm you know we're playing in my head that really really worked for me i think it's great to see a hero not necessarily act like a hero so he was basically his mission was to save the world but he i Never got the sense that he cared about that. I think he got, it was a very, it was like anti-altruistic. He went purely for selfish reasons. Everything he did was basically to kind of fix whatever ongoing feelings he had or resentment he had for his father. Um, so in that respect, I thought it was interesting. He kind of, it was like, he's, was, I wouldn't call him an anti-hero. I would call him just like a regular guy fulfilling some emotional need um but that was really cool uh i mean i, I mean visually in, in just... saying that i'm sorry to interrupt you i i because yeah. I, I hear what you're saying and at the same time i th- well i guess from from an emotional <laughs> standpoint for pitch specifically yes i suppose like his i mean his goal is to like i want to talk to my dad but also right. i'm saving the world but i think what matters is He's but there was not he's, that bravado that came with it. You I know, understand. You what, what, I, heroes. what I'm going to say is he's presented as like the perfect astronaut. Like every, he's so cool and collected in in the in public. I suppose like in in terms of how everyone. But else I think a lot of the military and astronaut. I mean, I feel like they are like that. They have to hold back their emotions when they're on the job. That's part of why they're the perfect candidate for that mission. And I think it's interesting to go underneath the layer and know. That's for me. That's why the voiceover worked because you can kind of. It, it, kind of highlights the emotional turmoil he's going uh, through and it's not going to be specifically capitalized in any other setting other than a voiceover or like you know his emotional releases and stuff that only the audience gets to witness so uh, for me i like the sort of the intimacy that the audience got with the character but i actually i think what a lot of people have issue with is the movie doesn't cater to what 
they expect the space journey should go through. Like, it, you know, you're supposed to, it's basically like you have to hit, hit an arc. You're expecting this grandiose finale when it's really, it's more of a personal. So in that sense, I kind of relinquished myself to just like go along with what was happening and then get caught up in the emotion based on Pitt's character. And that's really all I cared about. I didn't really think, oh, there's got to be this big reveal or like you have to find, you know, are they going to find sentient or intelligent life or not? That wasn't where I was at emotionally. I mean, it's different for everyone else, but for me, I just hopped on the ride and let it go where it took me. So I have thoughts, but I want, and I know Terrence has thoughts too. I want to, I want to get to Jordan. <laughs> I want to get to Jordan first. Jordan, did you have a problem with the voiceover? Cause there's a lot of voiceover in this film. I guess I really didn't. Um, it didn't take me out of the film, but I could see how it could. Um, I think I maybe particularly appreciated it just because you could kind of get another layer of what Pitt's character was going through, where his actual performance was so understated that sometimes you didn't know quite what he was thinking or quite what he was feeling. So it felt somewhat necessary to me but i also don't know if you took it away from the film if you'd lose a whole lot so to me i was kind of different slash mildly preferred it just because of uh the character he was portraying was so stoic that sometimes you couldn't quite tell i'll say this because i there's there have been rumors and it's not to surprise me because this movie was supposed to come out back in may and then it got delayed to september where that could sometimes just be visual effects aren't finished, but other times that could be like, well, the movie has issues with testing or what have you. And I'm just purely speculating, but I mean, just look, just hearing so much voiceover made me think, well, clearly there's a version of this movie where that's not in this. <laughs> like, that's just that's the that's the thought I never I was never separating myself from. It's like there's there's got to be a version where we're not hearing all of this stuff here, especially given what I know about James Gray's film. I'm having I've just been I've been watching James Gray's film since. Since I haven't seen Little Odessa, but since The Yards, I, I've seen all of James Gray's <laughs> movies. So I, I watched this and I'm like, there's a lot of contemplativeness out loud where I think I could get some of this. Now, I, but that said, I did like the movie. So I don't, as opposed to Blade Runner, which is fitting that you brought that up, Joseph. Blade Runner, they famously added voiceover, which Harrison Ford and Harry Scott, they both hated. They hated that fact. Right. And that's what the director's cut removed in the movie, I think. Um, among other reasons, plays a lot better for that. But Terrence, where are you with this? I know you have thoughts. <laughs> You've already I mean, gone to it a little that bit. That was my honestly, that was my thought while I was in the movie. Is I was like, oh, somebody was like, audiences are not going to connect with your character unless you have him say all of these things. Um, and then the joke is on them because apparently it's got like what a forty-six on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, as far as the audience score goes, yes. It's, yeah, and a audience B, score. B minus cinema score, which in cinema score terms, that's not great. That's not, that's not the highest of ratings. <laughs> you know, well, because, and this is my issue, well, that's also a function of the marketing, because the marketing tried to make this movie look like, you know, gravity. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it sell. I don't think it doesn't sell the movie you saw. I do think it sells a movie that... I think- I think it sells a movie that has the kind of things that you expect to see, as well as a, a quieter focus. Like I, do, I don't well, think like, it doesn't honestly, sell that. Honestly, like even though I hated Blade Runner twenty forty nine, this movie does have a lot in common with that in terms of like mood, style, and tone. And so, selling this movie like a Gravity, when in reality you want people to see like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, you know, is gonna get you the B minus cinema score. But I, I. 
like all the time as I was watching the video, I was like, I really wish James Gray would have just trusted me to like see Brad Pitt's face and the emotions that he was withholding or the times where it like finally broke out and trust that I would go on that journey with these characters because like I was completely in it. I love anything to do with space and like what colonizing, you know, space would look like and how are we going to survive and thought it was really cool the types of missions and things that they were doing. So like the science was there and then the emotions were there as well. Like for me, and it's not just be a me thing, but like people being alone or with like one or two other people in space is like enough to get me emotionally invested when things start going wrong for them. Because I'm like, Oh, nobody is coming to help. <laughs> you know, all of these movies are like, okay, like we need like a dead child or like, a dead dad wife. that he may have, yeah, a dead wife, <laughs> yeah. or like, he broke up with the, you know, he broke up with Liv Tyler, who said like, three lines in the whole movie. You know, like, all of these extra things, and I'm like, okay, his journey to find the father and being by himself is enough. Um, and so with that ad voiceover, it just felt like oppressive. But the movie is so great otherwise that like, the more that I think about the movie, the more I really like it, but it just, I'm just so annoyed. <laughs> well, I, I hope that the movie gets an isolated audio score track when it comes out on Blu-ray, so you can listen to, you can watch it just that way, and nobody talks yeah, at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the same time... I mean, no, I want, I want, you know, to hear Brad Pitt's, you know, radio communications and and. No, and like, I, I don't disagree, and honestly, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I didn't, I can't say I had a problem with the voiceover, I would just say I kept noticing it, where I... There was a lot. Is of... that because of the movie, or is that because it's not a cinematic technique that most people employ? I think that's the issue. I mean, it's not. It's I... not a matter of like how others did it. It's just more of I. I get. I feel like I was comfortable enough with what the movie's presenting me on a visual level, where I get what's happening, but I can't seem to. I can't separate my mind from hearing this stuff when I'm already kind of in the same space. So it's like I feel like. Yeah, I feel like if I watched whatever version of this movie existed presumably before they added some of this, because at the very least, you know some of this voiceover was added. Joseph, mm-hmm. I understand that it worked for you, but I, I don't think you can deny, yeah. deny that I there, mean, was, uh, yeah, there was yeah. probably an Behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, me, I, I know, we can't, we can't judge the, the movie based on what... And I'm trying to be careful, because I'm not trying to judge it in that matter. But I am saying that I... it's hard for me to look at this movie and think, well, this was definitely the plan all along. Like, I can tell that this was an added factor. But but my my issues with the film, for me, they don't really extend to the voiceover, which I think is what Jordan, you're saying as well. I don't I don't think we're necessarily criticizing the film because we're getting we're being told a lot of what Brad Pitt's thinking. I think Brad Pitt's fine in here, and I do think he does a good job with the voiceover. So like, that's why I think that's why it didn't bug me. I think he does a good job with it. It feels like he took it. As opposed to kind of, because I know Harrison Ford's not even trying in his in Blade Runner. He's just kind of like, I guess I'm saying these lines. Brad Pitt at least seems like he's just like, all right, I'll play ball. I'll do the voiceover. Like it seems like he's trying. Well, the thing to make is, work. in Blade Runner, the voiceover doesn't really work because it's repeating the whole stuff you just mo- saw. Like, <laughs> exactly, and also that that movie is about masking identity, whereas I think this one is about really showcasing Roy's identity to the audience. I mean, we ba- we basically we have to. Know- single little thing about him not every little thing but we have to be really into that character there's no what i like about the movie is that there's no real like 
esoteric or like mystery around it. It's, it's presented very straightforward and it's totally character driven. And, and I think so, that's kind of what sets it apart from other space movies. And, where that's, you're what, kind of, and, and that's what I think kind of threw me off because I felt like the movie in, in the best way I could put it, it's very easy. Like it's it's very easy but that's on a, not a bad to, thing, no it's I not think, it's not and i'll yeah. but i'll explain like <laughs> where the movie and this is why i don't think the advertising did a bad job because it feels a lot like 2001 with guns like it feels like they're, it's doing the meditative thing and it's being focused in a way but you have a lot of you have a car chase and you have guns and you have brad pitt punching people in the face and you have a like a weird horror sequence that I don't think really works at all. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was the, the one weakest. where I was that like, was I think even people who love the film agree that that's the weakest. I was like, like just turning to rampage. It was very part of darkness on the nose. I think mean, that was the issue for me. That was like the big issue. With it. it was so, just like, like I, it was trying to, yeah, so like, was, I can get, I can get past a lot of that because, okay, fine. But I'm still getting like, I really like how Brad, like since the movie's so focused on him, I really mm-hmm. like how it's using that focus. And so it gets to this end point I'm not going to go into it in too far into detail, but like, it's not it's not necessarily that. Yes, I said like, there's a something feels missing or what. It's just the the level of what's happening because I do think the there's an inner. This is not a spoiler. You know he's going. It's like a, it's a Colonel Kurtz thing. He's trying to find Tommy Lee Jones, and more likely than not, he's probably going to find Tommy Lee Jones or interact in some way. So I don't think it's a spoiler to say Tommy Lee Jones for the little time that he has towards the end of this movie. I do think he's very good. I really like cool. what he's offering in right. this thing. It just feels like there's not enough there's just something there's just something missing i'm not necessarily saying it needs to be something big or grandiose but just it's just so there's something off as far as where this journey had led him or i can't this say the same about I, I can't say the same about apocalypse now uh which a movie that this has much in common with despite being different for a variety of reasons structurally i mean james gray very much said he was inspired by joseph conrad's heart of darkness which was mm-hmm. adapted into apocalypse now and you can see that like it's hard not to yeah. see that yeah. uh, so it, i just there's things there where the conclusion feels as fitting as the journey and I can judge the journey and the journey's great. And I can judge the conclusion. And I think there's things about it that are great, but the two just don't feel like they quite aligned for me, regardless oh of it's God. regardless because it's a character thing or because it's a spectacle thing is just something about it. Didn't like, didn't click in my mind and everything about, I really love this. <laughs> this is a really interesting I, I like Ad Astra for making us have this this conversation, um, and maybe we'll get into some spoiler territory because I feel like I, but like I, we're all buying stock in Fox after this too. That gets the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really dug where it ended up. I I felt like that was very fitting um, on multiple levels, not just for like you know the plot needing to get him, you know, uh-huh. with the Colonel. Um, but like his emotional journey um, and where it would take him potentially take him next. I, I thought that that was really great. And I, there are, there are a lot of parallels that the story had between Pitt's character and, and Joe's character in terms of their histories um, as being members of this uh, space military force. Um, and I thought it was like brilliant in the ways that they, outlined it and leading to that really good conclusion. Jordan, <laughs> we've kind yeah. of overtaken this. Where, where are you at with, with some of this? Do you have any... I mean, to me, I guess I'm trying not to... I am I am the person who is like, I wanted the big ending, like something crazy to happen, because 
A, I think that's just what I wanted to happen, but B, because I think that's also what the film was building to. Uh, it's one thing for it to like maybe not build to something and then the ending would have felt a little bit more natural. But I mean, the ending is essentially, uh, are, can we do spoilers? <laughs> we don't need to go specifically into it. I mean, okay. I think it's, I think it's easy enough to say Brad Pitt eventually meets his father. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he meets his father and then I think there is maybe like one little thing that people could take as a huge reveal, but I didn't take it as that. But you have, so many like scientific mysteries building in terms of, oh, this space expedition that left all these years ago, what's happened to them. Uh, you have this flare system that has killed at one point, like 43,000 people on the earth. Uh, and why is he doing that? What's causing it? Do we even know if he's the one causing it? You have, I think just kind of some of this stuff happening around Neptune that it starts to talk about where I'm just kind of like, oh, something cool science-y is going to happen, whether it's aliens or, like, a black hole or they, like, make a decision to abandon human race or, like, something big, I guess, is what I was expecting. And when it just kind of happens, again, it wasn't a bad ending. I think it was just kind of, to me, that's what would have pushed it into the space classic territory. And instead, it just ends up being a really good movie. And I... So I, I see that because I, I mean, the way the film starts and the mission that's presented to you, I don't, I don't think you're wrong as far as what it tries to set up. Because I, Joseph, I hear what you're saying from a character standpoint, and I guess Terrence, you liked it too, as far as the ending is concerned. I hear what you're saying as far as yes, it's very much focused on Pitt's emotional state and revealing what that's truly supposed to be. I do think there's a way to counterbalance the two of them, and I think I've seen other movies that have done that, and that's I guess where I'm losing it, where I. I know I could. I know there's a way where I can appreciate what Brad Pitt's going through, or Roy, as well as appreciate like how the problem that's at hand with you know the state of the universe gets solved. And I, I just it doesn't. It's not quite aligning for me. Does that make sense? Is it because I think a lot of space movies that we've seen recently sort of leave you with an air of hope. Um, for humanity. Um, and not that this one leaves you in despair, but I think really the only ray of hope is for this character. And so it's like reevaluating the story, not from like a how will Earth fare, all these big, big questions that are surrounding the story, but it's way more about like, one man and like what his decisions are and what will be revealed um to him that's where i've sort of come down and why i really like the ending there's one particular part of that name that i want to talk about but we can't but like if we yes. keep this going maybe we can we can turn it into a bonus thing or something like that but i want to i want to stay focused on what yes <laughs> without spoiling anything but like let me let me ask this question because yeah, i, I yeah. don't recall what did you guys think of interstellar jordan i know you're a huge fan Joe, where are you at with Interstellar? I loved it. I love Interstellar, but actually, it's now making me bad Astra. Ad Astra is actually making me reevaluate Interstellar in a weird way. Um, in terms of like, I mean, you have to compare, but you know, because there's so many, there's just a handful of space, like big space movies out, so it's impossible not to compare. So I'm kind of re, like, I haven't seen Interstellar in a long time, but I just, I hold on to the feeling, so I don't quite remember like all the plot, like you know, minutia and stuff like that. Fair um, 
Let me let me, let me get to Terrence. Yeah. Terrence, where, where where are you with Interstellar? Well, I remember the plot, and I, Interstellar is not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry. Um, because Christopher Nolan, unlike James Gray, doesn't have the best handle on like the tangible on story or characters. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You well, know, see, and so I am I a fan of Interstellar, but that's the one where I think he went out of his way to really hit you on the emotional standpoint as well as whatever plotting he was going through. You know, where I I think that film is more successful because it does for me it does balance the drama of Matthew McConaughey's character with the fate of the world while not overplaying the fate of the world aspect to it. I do think it finds that commonality where that I seem to be missing here. Well, I think the reason why, you know, it's interesting. Like the thing that I felt like was really overbearing in Interstellar was when Anne Hathaway gave that monologue about love. Um, I love that part. I'm not realizing that, Hey, maybe this isn't worthwhile going to the planet that's right next to the black hole. Um, scientifically that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think this movie does a better job for me because, like, for me, it was like, we know we're coming to, like, a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And whether or not, you know, I find out about sentient life, whether he sees the dad, whether, you know, Earth is doomed forever, whether he'll die or live. or If Donald Sutherland like, gets taken by a body snatcher. You know, I was with, you know, I was with the story. Well, it's interesting that you said you couldn't, like, find the common thread between, or, like, counterbalance Brad Pitt's journey versus, like, the fate of the world or the galaxy. I actually think there's sort of a parallel between, like, the me- the overall message of the story, I, from what I gathered, and Pitt's journey, which is, for me, it's basically a cautionary tale about man's egocentrism to kind of go past the stars and, you know, have all these you know, scientific advancements, and by doing so, end up making Earth, you know, worse. Instead of focusing, you know, I guess you can say focus domestically, which is the same issue Brad Pitt had, where if he focused more on his relationships at home, he would have a better life. And I think that is the sort of parallel that the script was going for, from what I gathered. I can see that. I I mean... I talked about this last week with The Goldfinch, a film that all of us saw twice because we loved it, Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm. uh, where the movie you're describing to me sounds more interesting than the movie I got. Not necessarily more interesting, but just I like that description more than what I got out of Ad Astra, I guess. Okay. And maybe maybe whether it's... I mean, I feel also I think this movie is deserving of multiple repeat repeat viewings. I I think it's one of those movies that you definitely can find maybe the stuff you were missing from the first album. I don't deny that, and I look forward to seeing it again, actually. But I will say, and I mean, I gave it like an 8 out of 10. Like, I like this movie. (laughs) I want to hit these things so hard as far as what separates it from a 9 or a 10, I guess. But I called about your your thought of it becoming like a Blade Runner 20 years from now. The thing that holds it back for me is there's nothing new in this movie. I mean, the, uh, Blade Runner was something where it was revolutionary I, well, for its I time. Mean, we're not we're it. not talking about like the Moon Colony. I mean, we're we haven't even hit on that yet. I mean, think uh, about yeah, we that should we should talk about other things because we've been talking a lot about thematics and like whether oh, or not yeah. the ending works. But I mean, I do think if you're going to talk about Blade Runner, uh, I mean that movie. I mean, did a lot of things that changed right what, how films were made and how people move films. I don't know what Ad Astra is doing besides referencing a lot of movies that I've seen about space before. It's doing it successfully and in its own way. I don't think it's doing anything necessarily innovative or all that ambitious. 
I mean, maybe not from like a technical perspective, but I think from like a storytelling perspective, especially when it comes to protagonists, I do think it does a lot of like groundbreaking. I mean, then like, I would throw like things. Apocalypse Now at you as far as like putting the yeah. focus on a single mind and and what the craziness going on around it. Right. I'm not trying. I'm trying to like dispel you completely. I'm just saying, like I, <laughs> I look at you I'll, trying to bully Joseph. I'll be curious. I'll, <laughs> I'll be curious if the regard, yes, does gain in esteem over time from now. But I, I just don't know why it would. I guess. I I think we'll have you know to. once we get that voiceover list versus the movie, it will grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're talking about twenty years from now, yes, the directors could have had Astra comes yeah, out. Maybe yeah, it's a whole exactly. new experience. But I mean, Astra, you, you the final cut. Something that I, and this is why I guess this is a perfect example of why I was like, don't need the voiceover when that rocket landed on the moon. And like you just see Applebee's and and Yashinova, 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 yeah. That was all. I didn't need him to be like, oh, like it's become like Earth. I could see that, and that was such a fun, a fun and interesting, you know, thing to, you know, and and a really, you know, fascinating idea. It reminded me of the TV show Mars um, on that Geo, and what was so interesting about that is thinking about like how these planets would react if we do indeed you know move there and, and live there and so i i love all of that type of stuff and like really digging into you know the good and the bad of capitalism on the moon 125 dollars for that blanket yeah when he which i was like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> you're already rich enough allegedly to you know fly to the moon like how much do you really need a blanket and a pillow to be $125? At the same time, Brad Pitt's pretty stingy. He's an astronaut. He probably makes a good amount of money. I don't know. I mean, he can pay, well, he can pay, he can pay for that blanket. I, I'm really intrigued. I want to. I might have to just Google how much astronauts make because, like, these movies have them living in these palatial estates, you know, like Sean Penn's character and in, in that Hulu, terrible Hulu show, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> In Arrival had a really, really nice house. Brad Pitt has a beautiful house. Well, thing. she was a college professor, so, you know, she's making hand over fist money, right? That's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about the tech more in this movie. I just got to this stuff, because, yeah, you mentioned, uh, Joseph, yes, there is a lot of other things that happen, like moon, <laughs> moon chases and moon buggies and all kinds of... Jordan, where, where are you at with, like, how the movie presents to you the depiction of the future? Did you, do you like all that? I actually did really enjoy all that because I thought it was a good balance of grounded. Um, but also there's just a ton of advancements. So there are things like they're still driving a car. And I kind of try to place the film because I think at one point there's a timestamp on one of his dad's videos that was like 2018. So I feel like the film is 60 ish years in the future. Um, so for some of that, space exploration stuff to have happened basically what i'm taking from the movie is most of our earth-based technology has not stagnated but stayed about the same to what it is right now but space exploration has just exploded yeah, with so essentially they, they like the moon so they're like all right earth's cool let's move on and see what we can do yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and like there's the space elevator, space antenna, which that's all based in like real science. That's mm -hmm. something that could feasibly be done. Uh, there's the moon colony and then there's the like way 
less technological Mars colony, but I think that kind of makes sense, and that's it's, suggesting it's expanding. It seems like yeah, it's, it's exactly. a work in progress. It feels it's the it's the beginning of stages of Sim City. You've just yeah. laid down the foundation. <laughs> yes. and you're trying, and it's going to build I over love time. City. <laughs> <laughs> You've laid down. Uh, yeah, I built like the economic green right here, and it's going to grow eventually. Yeah, but no me, disasters. I, like, I really enjoyed all of that because I think that's it was just a ton of little details that they never really went into all of the science about they just kind of like let it emerge throughout the film of like this is where the state of the world is technological yeah and like discovering that as you go along was uh really really exciting and apparently monkeys get way more mean in the future especially once you put them in space so well he didn't get the raise he was after i think that was the problem yeah so he doesn't get a palatial estate. <laughs> I'd ask about the supporting performances, but there's not really much to them, guys. I'm sorry. Like, there's is there not. did any of the actors leave? I mean, you have Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nega, Liv Tyler, Don, Donald Sutherland, brief appearances from um, from Natasha Leone and Kimberly and, uh, Elise. Elise uh, and John Ortiz popped up in here because he's in most space movies these days and everything. Who else. played not the cap, but the second in command? co-captain the co-captain yeah him oh yeah. lauren dean uh that, he's he's in uh mumford is the main thing i think of him from but a lot of like character-based stuff yeah, yeah. that was a particular he had like, gattaca is another thing so speaking of space movies and enemy and uh, um uh, space cowboys he's in space cowboys so yeah it's, it's a real space cowboys reunion particularly in this affecting because he has like not necessarily an arc but he's like uh, i'm this way and then this happens and i'm this way kind of thing going on i mean i think yeah, it was, it's interesting, you know, Joseph talked about, you know, Brad Pitt's character being a hero and what a hero does. I think that that, in that moment, that was a smart narrative choice to show, you know, Brad Pitt's skill, uh, his character's skill, um, without needing to have him do anything too, too crazy, so... I mean, yeah, it's. I just I don't have anything to say. I mean, we I think we all agree that Tommy Lee Jones in the limited time he has does you know he has he has a presence and he really makes that the scenes of him and Pitt together work. But I mean, it's the Pitt show, and Pitt's it having a great year, guys. Pitt show. Pitt's having a great. And year. I think if you focus more on the supporting cast, in turn, you're focusing less on the hero and the character. So, I think that is probably for the best that they were. If well, that yeah. was their intended target, just to focus entirely on him, then why be distracted? You know. I mean, I think that's clear. So, I mean, I think part of it yeah. is, and I think Abe would argue me with Abe tends to argue with me about this, where he feels like it's calling it wasted when you have big actors of this nature, and I think it's more of, well, no, you have the weight of that actor, so you don't need to do all the necess- unnecessary exposition and what have you. You can just exactly. because because Liv Tyler's here or because Donald Sutherland's here that tells you a lot already about the character versus you yeah. know, someone lesser known that has to like yes. have a whole monologue about like, well, this is well, what, this is what my deal is. Liv Tyler. She didn't need to be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, um, it's, it's, not, per- it's not, any movie, it's so not perfect. In, what you're totally talking about her. with Ruth Nega, that's like, that's the feeling I got from her. Like when she pops up, I was like, Oh, I'm ready. Like, and even though she doesn't get the most to do, she plays an integral part. Um, she has some bits like, of information having, to share that matter to the movie, which makes sense. Yeah, like, and having an actor of that caliber, you know, Oscar-nominated actress, um, in that role in particular, made it really work. 
for me. Also, it was interesting. It kind of showed sort of the the power structure and still the you know prevalent sexism even all, all the way out in space in the future, where she was kind of even though she was the head of that one station, she was kind of dismissed at, at a certain point. Yeah, you know, and it kind of it kind of showed you, oh wow, okay, a lot of things haven't really changed. So. We haven't talked about the moon chase featuring space guns and moon buggies at all. Um, <laughs> and how great it was. Yeah, we should spend about 20 minutes on that. Um, <laughs> I think the idea of space pirates, it, what, it started off being a little silly, but the execution was just so brilliant that you're kind of like, okay, I can, I'm okay with them being like the sole survivors of this. Like, in theory, it was cheesy, but like I said, I mean, the direction was just so good. Well, I think it's because you have, so. like, a serious figure announcing the fact that there are space pirates, and until, like, trouble yeah. happens, you're like, I guess there's space pirates. You're like, oh, space pirates. Like, this is, this is yeah. a serious situation. Uh, Jordan, thoughts on, on space pirates in, at Astro? Gee, I thought that, I thought that actually, uh, I mean, you throw the word pirates in there, and it has a certain connotation, but... Sure. At the end of the day, you have a whole other planet that has to be colonized. You figure how long it took for Earth to colonize. You're going to have, essentially, no man's land anywhere you go. Yeah. So, I, to me, it was like, oh, that's actually pretty smart. Again, you throw a pirate in there, it gives certain connotation. Uh, and you could tell as soon as they said something like that, I was like, ah, that must be the dune buggy chase coming up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so it was a little it's, bit foreshadowed. but Yeah, for sure. It's not like it's throwing me off from like a like a comical level. It's more of... The movie's tone, you know, you're in a certain space as far as, yeah. no pun intended, but as far as where, like, Brad Pitt's character is, and, like, you're hearing a lot of, as we said, it's a very, it's it's a mellow film for the most part. So that's why when you get to these big moments, whether it's the space chase, or the, the, the chimpanzee, or whatever it was, or the, or even, like, the fight that happens on the spaceship, yeah. I just, it just, it's not that it's, like, tonally jarring, it just does feel like, these are elements that really stand out in a film that's otherwise quite quiet. And, mm. and so it's, yeah, they, I, they, they can hit you at different levels, I think for that reason. Yeah, I guess I would, I would agree. Except for, except for the, the fight, I felt had like a stronger um, sort of character narrative uh, result. I got hung up me. on what happens next. Like as far as like when presumably if Brad Pitt gets back to earth, whether or not he does, like, shouldn't there, are there going to be repercussions for him having like yes, a space that was, I, <laughs> Well, I, I, did, I mean, I think it's going to be overlooked considering, you know, what yeah, he ended yeah, up I, accomplishing. I, I, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you are I mean, holding us from spoilers, and I have like the perfect okay. reply. Let's do this. <laughs> you just need like five talked, minutes. I think we've talked plenty about this film. When should people go and see Ad Astra? Uh, sorry, Jordan, when should people see Ad Astra? I mean, I'd like people to go out and support it because I think we always talk about sequels and stuff like that. And I love my sequels. I love my superhero films. But uh, when a fairly decently budgeted space flick comes out, I'd like for people to go support it. So I would say go see it while you can. Joe, when should people see this movie? Right away as well. I mean, I think it's important to... Support these, you know, undervalued, appreciated original stories. Um, and, you know, if we want more of them made, you have to go see them. So, Terrence? Uh, you can go see it now. <laughs> and on a big screen. It played well in IMAX. Played oh, yeah. well. 
Yeah, I would. I, uh... I thought about seeing it in IMAX, but I just didn't want to pay twenty two fifty. That's why you get A list. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, fair enough. I would I would recommend yes a a a premium screen experience whether it's a you know just like a Dolby theater an RPX what have you whatever you have around you at IMAX if it's available and you don't feel compromised by the price uh, yeah I do think it's it's worth you know getting to hear the Max Richter score and see the you know the visuals on a big screen it's very well worth it in that regard. Now I'm going to say this we're going to have more to say about this I'm literally going to time it at five minutes so we don't go too long into this and this section is going to be at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> so so if you're listening right now we're about to keep talking about this movie. It's going to right now after I'm finished saying this sentence it's going to cut to us playing a game or whatever but just know that the at the end of this podcast we're going to talk more about this in spoilers. All right. <laughs> now we're going to move on. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to our um, what time is it here? I think it's time it's time for games. I was happy with that. That's, our, that's of course the improv theme for games. I have a game for you guys this week. It is called the Alliteration Game. I have a series of movies here. Where I'm going to describe, they're all alliterative titles, and I'm going to describe said movie using a series of alliterative words, and you will need to guess what movie it is from this. I put a lot of effort into this, so I think it should be fun. Uh, but for, for wait, are they space theme movies or they're they're not space they're not space okay. theme movies? Okay. For ex- here, for example, the first one I have is an awesome outer space astronaut adventure, which and would be an astronaut. Astra. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's the idea. Okay, so that's, so there's going to be a lot of that. Um, I will say a hint for all of these is the movies, the the letters the movie has, the, the, like the letter it starts with is going to be the letter of the words that I'm using to describe the movie, as in okay. Ad Astra, where I just had an awesome outer space astronaut adventure. Uh, all right, if you think you know the answer, say your name and the answer. Here we go. Belligerent badass boys in blue bullet blast their criminal enemies. What the? Say that again. <laughs> Joseph, is it bad? Is it bad boys? It is bad boys. Yes. Okay. Belligerent okay. badass boys in blue okay, so, okay. bullet blast their criminal enemies. <laughs> I think I understand. <laughs> okay. Joe's on the board. Here we go. Cantankerous colossal Kaiser clashes over kingdom. Cantankerous colossal Kaiser clashes over kingdom. <laughs> Should I get my dictionary out? Well, okay. colossal. Kaiser clashes over kingdom. Terrence. Yes. Kingsman. You got you got a word right, but you're wrong. It is a wait, wait, Joseph. Uh, yeah. uh, hold on. Oh wait, no, this. Never mind. Never mind. It is from the 1930s. From the 1930s. It is a classic. It's a Karen? monster movie. Yes. Oh. King Kong. King Kong. Oh my god. Ah. And Colossal Kaiser clashes over kingdom. The Kaiser thing threw me off. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't say king. I, I have to give you I have to give it some room here. 
Here's the next one. Most some of these are easier, guys. I guarantee you. Mm. But again, they all start. The key is that they all start with the letter I'm using. That has that has to narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> Here we go. Degenerate detainees develop dexterity for war duty. Jordan. Yep. Suicide Squad. Incorrect. No. But you're Dang on the right it. track. D's. D's. Yeah. Yes. Degenerate oh detainees. Jordan again. Yeah. Dirty dozen. The dirty dozen is the wow, correct answer. Wow. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. good. All right. All right. Here's the next one. I think all of these are easier. <laughs> Here we go. Billionaire boy becomes battling bruiser against brutes and evildoers. Oh, uh, Joseph, Batman Joseph. Begins? Batman Begins is yeah. the correct answer. Here we go. Furious felons find fortune near favelas. Terrence. Terrence? Fast and Furious 5. Now say the actual title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that? Fast 5? Fast 5 is short the correct oh, answer. I was like, was that not the yeah, title? Yeah. <laughs> A Bridget. <laughs> Here's like, yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> Here's the next one. Gonzo Grabber about guilty guy getting grifted by not-so-good girl. Terrence. Terrence? Gonzo. Damn girl it. Damn uh, it. Beauty by second. Okay, I think I'm good. Here's the next one. <laughs> Abashed boy braves way to babble with bodies bereft of life. I don't know why I did this, because that doesn't make any sense with the actual yeah, Jordan. name of the movie. Yeah, Jordan? Is it Bubble Boy? It's not Bubble Boy. Dang it. No, I fucked up the... Um... <laughs> yes, because you threw out an A, but I was like, wait a minute. Can you say it again? Say it again, yeah. Uh, I'll say this. It starts with an S, and I messed up my own thing. A bashed, a bashed boy braves way to babble with bodies bereft of life. It's an S movie. Okay. I don't know why I missed this one up. <laughs> I guess I was tired making all these alliterative gameplay movie entries. Let me emphasize Wait. some words. What? Was this was the title set already? No, the title wasn't set. Okay. Okay, then never mind. Let me emphasize some words. Again, it's an S film. Boy braves way to babble with bodies bereft of life. Jordan. Jordan. Six cents. Six cents is the correct answer. Oh, okay. I don't know why I didn't do S. I I messed that one up completely. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Here we go. Lawbreakers banded by blood bring back band for concert. Lawbreakers banded by blood bring back band for concert. This might be the most difficult game you have ever fought. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like god. Abe will, will be all over this. <laughs> I'm sure, but he's not here. I know. <laughs> Lawbreakers, banded by blood, bring back band for concert. Wait, it's a 19... no. Um, it's a ni- oh. Yes. Blues Brothers? It's the Blues Brothers, that's correct. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Banded by blood. <laughs> yeah, that was. And they're uh, lawbreakers. <laughs> that's a clue. Here we go. Good. 
Here's the next one. Dark and dismayed adolescent detects disruption of day through time travel. Jordan. Jordan. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is the correct answer. Here's the next one. Wacky Western co-workers watch over whacked out madman. Wacky Western co-workers watch over whacked out madman. There are only so many W's. <laughs> um, Terrence? Terrence. Wild Wild West? Wild Wild West. Uh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't find a way to get, like, you know, racist guy with no legs and a giant tarantula in a W. Sorry. <laughs> I, could, like, I did my best. <laughs> All right. A mean, malevolent murder of men managing a cult. A mean, malevolent murder of men managing Jordan. a cult. Jordan. Mad Max. Incorrect. Although that's good. That's not, that's, 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 not, that's not wrong. I was wondering where the cult was coming in, but I was like, I'll just go for it. Hmm. This is, uh, a two, this is a 2010s film. It features a major superhero character as the lead. Not that they're a superhero in the film, but there's a person play that plays a major superhero character in the lead. Say that. What is the, the phrase? A mean, malevolent murder of men managing a cult. It's a 2010 film. 2010s. So it's in the. Oh. Yeah, of the decade. Starts of an M. There's a lot of words. It's a very alliterative title. Wait, say this oh, one uh, more time. Uh, what? What? Darren? Yes. Martha Marcy May Marlene. That's correct. It's Martha. Oh my god, that's smart. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I have to dig deep into the the forgotten film. Here's the last one. Dimwitted dullards drive to due west of Denver. Jordan. I, Jordan. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is correct. That was kind of for you. <laughs> the Dem I know, the Dever one, I'm always like, oh, okay. I literally Dumb looked at a map to see where Aspen is <laughs> next to De relation to Denver to make this clue. It's a ways away. <laughs> but, it's due, but it's due west. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> All right, let me add this up here. This is pretty I only close, had guys. two. I know you got it's two. Yeah, you're, I think you're Terrence or Jordan. Yeah. Let me add up. Who, wh what's the superhero in the... What was it? Martha, oh. Marcy, May, Marlene? Scarlet Witch. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Oh. oh. I thought you meant it was an actual superhero film. Yeah, like, the way what? you were describing it was I, confusing to me. I was like, what indie superhero film? I was, try, I was trying to say a super... I said a superhero actor stars in this, but I clarified I gotcha. he's not a superhero. But yeah, okay. Gotcha. Darren still got it. And he won. Just one. Just by one. It was a close game. Oh, Good wow. Game. Yeah. Good match. And Joe, you got on the board, so you get to come back to the podcast. It all works out. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. All right. That's, that's how we do things. As long right as here. I got the Batman one right, that's all. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you got a Nolan question correct. So yes. <laughs> all right. That was games. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our out now feedback, 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 where we go over the uh, various questions and answers on our Facebook page. 
Facebook.com slash now podcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners. They gave us answers. Then they gave us a question that we can answer. Uh, Terrence, Jordan, Joseph, feel free to provide any answers you may have to the questions I'm about to ask after I get to the uh, listeners. First up, who are your favorite cinematic astronauts? Christopher writes, Dave Bowman from 2001, John Glenn from Hidden Figures, Neil Armstrong from First Man, Jim Lovell from Apollo 13, and the guys from Armageddon. Catherine has Ripley from the Alien films. Justin has the right stuff's Mercury 7. Jim Dietz, friend of the show, also has the right stuff's Mercury 7. Chris has Chewbacca and Ripley. And Jerry has Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. Favorite cinematic astronauts. I forget the character's name, but Matt Damon's character in The Martian. You uh, mean Matt Damon? Just, That's basically what Yeah. <laughs> just Matt Damon as Matt Damon in The yeah, Martian. Exactly. Uh, I'd say he's one of the least depressing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I think, like, I I read the book before, so um, you kind of just realize how smart he was. Uh, but that's, like, not that you don't get to see how smart other astronauts would be. Martian, I think, very much focuses on how smart the individual was. So I like that one. Any other astronauts, guys? I mean, my vote right now, just because it's it hit me so quickly, was uh, Roy, this past one. At Astra. Um, I love space movies, but I could not think of a favorite astronaut. <laughs> My goodness. Um, I'll go with Ripley. All right. Even though I don't technically she's part of a mining crew. Um, yeah, her. <laughs> All right. Next question: We have favorite films featuring space-based missions. Irene writes: Interstellar, Apollo 13, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Justin has The Martian, Mission to Mars, Red Planet, and Gravity. Chris has Aliens, Alien, Event Horizon, and Gravity. Farron has 2001 and 2010 and Interstellar. Dennis has The Martian, Aliens, and Apollo 13. Jeff has Galaxy Quest, and Scott has 2001. <laughs> I'm a, I mean, 2001 is one of my favorite movies in general, but I have a lot of favorite movies that involve space in some way. I'm a huge fan of the right stuff. Um, so, yeah, those are up there. This is his favorite uh, space based mission. Favorite space based missions. Favorite films of space based missions, yeah. So they cannot be on Earth. Um, t- I mean, 2001 is, is still my fave. Mine is uh, definitely Interstellar, hands down. There you go. I mean, I. In, so 2001 is more. It was one of those movies where I'd say, like, I respect it more than I love it. I think it'll always have that weird relationship with it. Um, favorite? Oh, God. I mean, I still got to go with Interstellar and Alien, but, man, Ad Astra could could climb its way up for sure. I am a huge Gravity fan, too. I don't think I, I shout out Gravity enough. Like, I did love that movie when it came yeah, out. So. I do, too. See, I, really love, I love Gravity, like, but I, I, it's more like a ride film. That's yeah, I agree. I, 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 yeah, I agree. And maybe that's why it doesn't come up as much, but, I mean, I still, like, the movie really worked for me like it was my number two or three of that year like i really enjoyed it uh all right what are your favorite movie space vehicles chris has the m577 armored personnel carrier from aliens uh justin has the johnny cab from total recall and jerry has thunderbirds there go i hear favorite space space vehicle wow I mean, I can list off a bunch of Star Wars vehicles, but I mean, that was I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, that, that like pod that Spock was flying in in the 2009 Star Trek, that was pretty cool. 
I don't speak that language, so I mean, you figure it out. <laughs> Some <laughs> Star Trek thing? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> the Spock mobile. I don't. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that that pod that he had. Okay. Was there a space vehicle in Oblivion? Or no? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like sweet. a like a yeah like a little ride that took him into the like okay dodecahedron thing that was it was like a yeah. helicopter yeah. Oh yeah, when he was on yeah when he was on Earth as well. Like yeah, he had a bunch of yeah yeah he had a, yeah, he had a nifty little like. Yeah. This thing that was zipping him around the planet. Okay. That's what, yeah, what a great film. I always thought the uh, arrival pods were pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. That's like yeah. a vehicle, great. but those yeah. things are huge. I just, the the innovation and in design in that movie, I just really enjoy. Like, the, the aliens is like, well, what if we did anything else but what we've already seen before? And they found a way to do it. Like, I yeah. really like the, the whole design. Do you consider that. arrival a space-based film? Because then I would add that to, like, almost every... I mean, one no, we've been called, talking about. No, because they're not going Earth. into space. So, yeah, yeah, that's it's, fair. It's more of a, I mean, it, I, I guess it's more of an alien invasion movie. They're just not half an half. Yeah, it's an it's an alien movie. I guess would be the way to say yeah. it. Yeah. It's I call it a Jeremy Renner film. Oh, okay. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm. I uh, I assume the app was just pictures of him hanging out on the set of Arrival, right? Is that what it was? I I didn't get the app in time that we all. I assume you guys had the Jeremy Renner app that we all love. <laughs> Check it every day. <laughs> I didn't even know that he had an app until the day the app was shut down. So we call that J Day. Uh, <laughs> the app was gone. <laughs> uh, next question: Favorite Tommy Lee Jones film? Scott writes the Executioner song about death row murderer Gary Gilmore was one of my faves. His portrayal of Woodrow Cal in Lonesome Dove, the husband Do in Coal Miner's Daughter, Clay Shaw in JFK, and No Country for Old Men. Luke has U.S. Marshals deserve more love. My response is no, it doesn't. Uh, Catherine writes Executioner's Song and Space Cowboys, two totally different films in which he was equally good. He's always fantastic. Christopher writes The Fugitive, Batman Forever, Men in Black films, JFK, U.S. Marshals, <laughs> Volcano, Lincoln, Man of the House, and Space Cowboys. And another Chris, we have No Crunchy for Old Men, Fugitive, Natural One Killers. Alan, ha- Alan Aguilar, friend of the show, has No Crunchy for Old Men, The Fugitive, and Men in Black. <clears throat> Tommy Lee Jones. I'll just shout out the three burials of Melikato's Estrada. I really like that film a lot. Among other, he films. was he he was in the Valley of the Law, right? Is yeah. that okay? That's right. He was the lead. That's Paul right. Hagus is the Valley, Paul the Valley of the is Law. Crash follow. I I like the, I love him a lot in The Fugitive. So. Yeah, he's terrific. I yeah. hate yeah. that he won the Oscar for it, but he's good, I guess. We can't we can't have our fave win uh, for the I movies mean, we love. Brie Larson, um, <laughs> you know, who won, who did he win over in the Fugitive? It's what ninety three. Ray so, Fine. Ray, Ray Fine. That's one of the best villain performances of all time. Like, yeah, I don't like, know. Tommy Lee Jones is like you got to cover every hen house, outhouse, and everything else in like ten mile radius. I mean, that's pretty. Uh... That's pretty good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> hen house. Um, any other Tommy Lee Jones performances? You, I really think he's great in Lincoln. By the way, I, I do too. I thought he should. Who, who's yeah, that? Yeah. That's 2012, right? So that is that Wallace Kidd for Django and Shane. I thought he was going to win that year too. I was I thought, convinced he was. I think I predicted. Was... I think I predicted him or De Niro for Silver Linings. I thought I was like, maybe we'll give him an Oscar. I don't know. Because wasn't it like it was like all veterans, right? And then it was also Waltz who was like in it again, and then he won. Yeah, because he was basically co-lead, and so he. I mean, I Everybody think screen time won. Yeah, won. Mm. 
So it was like a, it was the first, I think it was like the first lineup we've ever had of, of, uh, Most all winners. winners. Yeah, yeah. Next question. Favorite 80s action star? This is in reference to Rambo, um, Last Blood, which came out this week. Uh, Chris has Van Damme and Mel Gibson, The Good Years, and Jackie Chan. <laughs> he wrote that. It's funny. Alan, friend of the show, has Bruce Willis as John McClane. Irene has Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Favorite 80s action heroes? Definitely Arnold, for, for sure. Harrison Ford. Tom Cruise. I mean, who else was big? I feel like Tom is more of a 90s one. That's why I didn't want to say him. I mean, Cruise uh, is Top Gun. I mean, he's in yeah. uh, Cocktail, two action classics. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I'll go Harrison. Yeah, Harrison would be probably the number one, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, Mosquito Coast and Witness? He's killing, he's kicking ass in those movies. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, favorite Rambo weapon. Chris has has to be a Bowie knife. Justin has the knife. Alan put a gif of the Rambo cartoon series where he's holding onto a giant rocket. I'm very curious how the Rambo cartoon series worked. Was he killing people in that show? I assume not. <laughs> um, same thing goes for the RoboCop show, by the way. I assume he probably wasn't killing people and buying that for a dollar, but there you go. And uh, Todd writes, Rambo is a weapon. Favorite Rambo weapon? It's a big knife. I... <laughs> Confession, I've never seen a Rambo movie ever. Neither have so. I. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm missing out based on the latest release of this podcast. I, I, will, so. say, I will say this, <laughs> because we just did our first Blood Cup, and I like First Blood. First Blood is a, is a specific, it's a good movie. Like, it's it's not the, it's not what the rest of the Rambo movies are, which become, like, giant, you know, action fests. Uh, I know friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, among others, argue for some of the qualities of both the second one and the fourth one, as far as what the character is doing and the reflective period, especially in the fourth one. I'm not the biggest fan of the Rambo series, but the first film, it's not an, it, it's, it's more of, it's a survival thriller more than it is like a big macho man fights everybody kind of movie. Uh, okay. so I, I do think that one's worth what Jordan, are you a Rambo guy? Do you like the Rambo movies? Or are you also in the same? Uh, kind of sort of, I probably won't see this new one. Um, but I have seen some of the other ones and I do kind of like those action fest films where they just go into like extreme, gore and everything like it's fun to just go to those but um i feel like he had one scene i can't remember if it was in the one right before this one where he was on a 50 cal and just <laughs> i think yeah, it was that's... just a scene that went on for way too long but he just is mowing down person after person i was like okay yeah that's, we're still yeah, doing that's, this that's that last one where yeah you get yep. the back of a jeep and just like yeah destroys people like i think somebody's head explodes because he's like right oh yeah gun. Yep. yeah <laughs> That's 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 my favorite Rambo weapon. If it's about. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Uh, we only got one question this week. It's from friend of the show, Marcus Robinson. He asks, what's in the box? That's what he asked. <laughs> uh, <an> uh, <laughs> Amy Adams uh, awards chances. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that. All right. Let's move on. That was out now. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Uh, let's start wrapping things up here with a little out now. Presents what's out now. These movies that are coming in on Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, streaming, and all that stuff this week. Uh, a few things here. Uh, first up for all the home home video, 4K, Blu-ray, we have, um, and feel free to give a yay or nay through these as I go through them. Uh, yesterday. Yay, actually. I'm one of the few big supporters of that, maybe. Yeah, you were on that show. Yeah, you really I like was. Yeah. I, yep. I think it's fine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Anna. This is the Luc Besson uh, Hitman thriller, his latest Hitman thriller, I suppose. I, I don't think any of us saw that. <laughs> Did anyone see it? Yeah, I did not see that. Um, Child's Play, the most recent remake of Child's Play. Nay. Big nay for me. Big I was, nay. Yeah. I, I really despise this movie, actually. So. <laughs> uh, Tim Story's Shaft. Big nay. That's one of my least favorite movies of the year. I haven't I seen that. See, yeah, I didn't yeah, see it either. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm a person that would be like, yeah, new Shaft movie's coming. Why would I miss this? And then it's like, well, this looks terrible, and I didn't go and see it. So I think I, I mean, uh, I, I don't feel like I was wrong in that one. And everyone's, uh, Joe, I mean, it seems like you hated it quite a bit. So it's, no, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very problematic. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I do think <laughs> there's a great, there's a, this is a good time to make a new Shaft movie. I think there's good potential for that. Yeah, the John Singleton movie is fantastic. And it's just, yeah. it's funny because this, new one is so regressive and codes the complete opposite of what that other character and they're like basically two different characters same guy totally different mo's so he's not still the man i take it uh, no. uh let's see Pavarotti. i believe this is a documentary going over Pavarotti. didn't see okay. that one either. <laughs> um skin this is the jamie bell starring film that was adapted from the short film that won for best short Live action film last year. I, guess I haven't, that. I haven't seen it, but I don't know if we need redemptive stories for skinhead at the moment. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. And I didn't, I, Ann and I both did not like the the short film. Yeah, the short much. was terrible. Yeah, and, uh, it has, it certainly goes for a, a an idea, <laughs> but I was not a fan of that movie. Uh, let's see. Last thing uh, for completely new releases: Inside Man: colon, Most Wanted. This is that sequel to Inside Man that we've all been wanting. That's one want <laughs> direct to DVD, and I assume is fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that exists. Uh, all right, what else is here? TV stuff. DC Legends of Tomorrow season four. Any Legends of Tomorrow? Fans? I am a fan. Oh, of I that. love Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow is great. Well, season four is out this week. Also, Stephen King's The Stand, the old TV movie version of The Stand from the 90s. That's out now as well. Um, Aren't they making another one? They are. They just cast somebody in it, which I just forgot. Um, Somebody just got cast in that, though. On Criterion this week, Local Hero and The Circus with uh, Charlie Chaplin. Um, On Scream Factory, we have John Carpenter's Vampires, uh, starring liberal hero James Woods. Uh, let's see. On uh, Warner Brothers Archive, we have Action Jackson with Carl Weathers, and uh, the setup. Uh, let's see. There are signature collection editions of 101 Dalmatians and Sleeping Beauty. Uh, in case you still need to buy from the Disney Vault before Disney Plus launches, where there's no vault anymore. <laughs> um, let's see. Sleepy Hollow 20th Anniversary Edition. That's what. That's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. I'm all about that. Uh, let's see, Galaxy Quest 20th Anniversary Edition as well. And uh, let's see, Ida Lupino Filmmaker Collector. Uh, this is like a box of Ida Lupino's, like some of her big directorial features. That's uh, been like brought in by, I think Kino has this one. And uh, let's see, Hellraiser and Hellbound, colon, Hellraiser 2. Those come out from Arrow this week for you Hellraiser fans. And uh, oh, Maleficent's on 4K now. So yeah, get ready for the next one in 4K. Go for it. Um, on streaming this week on Netflix, uh, we have Between Two Ferns the movie. Did anyone check this out yet? 
I want to. I, I, I saw watched the trailer it. and it looks really funny. I watched it and I do th- I, I do think it is very funny. I think it 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 does the job if you're a between two ferns fan. I think it it's both. It's got a good mix of like here are all the very awkward celebrity interviews that you like about between two ferns, and it does enough with the connective tissue between the those segments to really work as a as a ninety minute as like an eighty minute Netflix movie. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Disenchantment Part Two. This is the Matt Groening series um, that's set in like a medieval fantasy world. Oh, that got series. another season. Oh, I didn't yeah, the, the second that. like it's called Part Two. Although like it cut the first half like and I don't I don't Netflix does this a lot with like seasons and Part Twos and whatnot. Like just call it season two. Like, that'd be right. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems that's not that hard. <laughs> How confusing people. Um, let's see. And there's a documentary, Inside Bill's Brain, colon, Decoding Bill Gates. So I guess there's a Bill Gates documentary if you're on there on Netflix. Uh, nothing new on Prime this week that I haven't mentioned already, but I did see that Midnight Meat Train's on Prime now. I just like saying Midnight Meat Train of Bradley Cooper. That's just fun to point out. So, it's... so I just decided to give it a shout-out for no reason. Uh, Bradley Cooper, my God. But the weirdest joke I find in Silver Linings Playbook is that when they're outside of a movie theater, it has Midnight Meat Train on the marquee. And it's like, there's no reason for that movie to be there because it's like way older than anything going on in Silver Linings Playbook. So it's just, it's like David or Russell fucking with Bradley Cooper? Was that the entire idea? Like, <laughs> that must have been it. He was <laughs> trolling him big time. That's the, that's the only thing I can like, why is this movie mentioned in this big screen movie? <laughs> it's like in 2012. Um, let's see. Next week's show. Not quite decided yet. We might talk about uh, Abominable, because that's the only thing releasing, unless, you know, The Hunt suddenly comes out and we're all like, let's go see it! But I don't think that's happening. Um, That was supposed to come out this week, and it didn't. Um, Let's see. Last thing you do here. Last thing we do here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Uh, Joe, what should people see in theaters right now? Right now, uh, definitely Ad Astra, definitely Hustlers. Movies that definitely need some box office booing um would be great go see those multiple times if you can um i'm trying to think of anything indie i haven't gotten around to britney was it britney runs a marathon yeah uh but i am looking forward to that all right terrence which people see right now if only so you could have you know your hot takes ready for twitter you should see it too and add astra <laughs> Um, and then wash it down with Hustlers, which is delightful. Um, and what am I seeing next? I have two screenings this week. Uh, Lucy in the Sky and Frankie. So, and I'm looking forward to both of those movies led by, uh, renowned actresses. Jordan, what do people see in theaters right now? Uh, I will second the Ad Astra and Hustlers nod. The triple screening with It Chapter 2 sounds quite intense. Uh, <laughs> I imagine everyone who wanted to see It Chapter 2 has probably seen it so far. Um, I liked it enough. I, in all honesty, I, I would recommend those two just because they are original, they do deserve money, and they're actually very fun. Um, but I will go back to the Amazon Prime show of Undone. It's very easy watch. They're twenty-two minute episodes, and not something you see every day. What are you seeing next? Uh, I, I don't know. I was actually just looking, and you're right. There's literally nothing next week. Uh, so I definitely want to check out Two Ferns, and then I think after that it's Joker. Yeah, Joker, Joker Week 2019. That's what we say on this show. <laughs> w 219. 
God. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the hot takes, Terrence. <laughs> That's gonna be oh, all over Twitter for the next six months. So. Well, longer because Todd Miller's going to win for Best Director at the Oscars. I'm telling Apparently, you. Apparently, <laughs> <Yes>. oh, God. <laughs> Uh, oh God. It's funny. The footsteps like, of his hangover buddy, Craig Mason. So. <laughs> They're having uh, don't even joke about that. <laughs> it's been my joke since like the movie was announced. Like that, Todd Phillips is going to get nominated for Best Director for Joker. I will say this: I really don't care about anything going on, on the internet as far as Joker goes. But I'm looking forward to the movie. Like I've no, I've not been swayed away from seeing the movie. Uh, that's I mean, Walking Phoenix could sell any movie for me. He's just like one of the greatest actors ever. So yeah. Yeah. Put him in Abominable. Make me see it quicker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was in Brother Bear, which I actually have not seen. That's like... true. Oh, my God. Um, I would recommend Ad Astra because, yeah, it's a big screen movie that you should go see. And I would also mention Manos. Um, I really like Manos quite a bit. I think it's oh, really yeah. good. And if it spreads water, any movie, Yeah. Any movie that highlights Julian Nicholson is a good movie to me. And I haven't even seen it yet, so I trust your judgment. It, I mean, it's a talk about intense experiences like this movie or apparently a chapter two, which I don't recall any intense moments. But anyway, um, I, I just really like Monos. I think I think it's great. Um, great cinematography, which won't be nominated for anything. So, blah. Uh, but yeah, I'm seeing Lucy in the Sky next. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Speaking of space movies. Um, but yeah. Uh, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at thecodazeek.com. All my written reviews and everything I do ends up over there, but I'm also writing at We Live Entertainment and Why So Blue. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Terrence Johnson, where should people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me at lenoirco.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Jordan Rath, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me at Rath's Reviews. It's a pretty simple Google. Rath is R-A-T-H. And you can find me on Facebook under the same name and Instagram at Rath's underscore reviews. Joseph Beverman. Uh, you can find me on awardcircuit.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and all the other re- relevant social media handles. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Uh, that's going to do it. So thank you, Terrence, Jordan, and Joseph, for joining me this evening to talk about Ad Astra. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah I think there was... No one's head was ripped off, so that's good. As no, far as it wasn't as contentious as I, think, as I, I think expected. We... <laughs> 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 because we generally both like the movie. We did, yes. <laughs> but no, glad to have you guys all here. Look forward to having you back at some point. Thank you, the listeners, for joining us for this. Remember that there's a bonus segment at the end of the music that ever whatever ends out this episode, so stay tuned to hear more of our thoughts on Ad Astra. But until next week, when we talk about either an abominable snowman or something else, that's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye.
The spoiler section for Ad Astra. <laughs> yeah, talk a little bit more so, about this. I'm, I'm watching done. my watch. Get, I'm timing this. <laughs> let me get into your analogy for the space because what they're going, what's going to happen in the story is exactly what happened with his father. You know, like the whole thing, like the father murdered that entire uh-huh. crew in, in the in the purpose of his mission, and Brad Pitt's character, you know, does the same thing, and so it's like I thought that was a really interesting sort of narrative not twist but like it's a narrative symmetry it's yeah narrative symmetry yeah, and like that's true once that happened and he had to continue that mission all alone like he started falling apart and you were like oh my gosh like is he gonna end up like tommy lee jones are they both just gonna be crazy on this ship which is why i found it so fascinating that when he got there and he started talking to his dad that he realized that he had to go another another way and as he was trying to like reassure the father, you know, the father was so set in his ways that he ends up making sort of a decision that he just wants to die out in space. But like when Brad Pitt tells him, like, you didn't fail, like now we just know that we're all we've got. I was like, oh, like that really hit me in the feels because after all of these things you, you saw, it was like, you know, Joseph talked a lot about, you know, a character. Um, this movie sort of been talked about like toxic masculinity and overcoming things from your past. And I thought that that was a really, really swell moment um that the movie ended up doing but i think you did need that space fight um in order to like have you start to doubt whether or not brad was a hero i i don't disagree with that and i think what the but to get to the end the payoff of like what they're both realizing it just didn't hit me in the feels i think that's what it's coming down to because i like i so respect what it's doing on that level and like how it's solving the mission and how it's reflecting on the characters and again i do like fucking jones is great in this movie like he's like he has so little time to do something and yet i I really like the moments that he had but it didn't hit it didn't get me on like the emotional level that i feel like i required or wanted or the film sought out to get me to I, I not that like I needed to like I needed to like ball my eyes out or something, but it just like there's something there where maybe it's just like I don't connect to like you know son dad father son movies in that way or I don't know what, but it's just like it's not it, I like it more for what it's telling me than how it tells it. Mm, okay, I I think I get where yeah I think I get where you're coming from. I just I thought that the ending like to me. That really was the only way that this movie could end. Um, I do think the voiceover kind of stops there too, which I like. Yes, right? you see, you see what happens <laughs> when you just let the story tell you tell, tell you what it needs to tell you. Um, but yeah, I I just thought that the, Tommy Lee Jones was just so great as like he, he just 
that whole entire just after that space fight, I just felt like the movie was keeping me on my toes in like a really exciting way, story wise. Because I was like, oh, like they're not going to get to this answer maybe for like another twenty minutes, so I have to pay attention to everything that's going on and like really soak it in. Um, and so I find I just found like when Brad Pitt told him that you know we're all we've got to be like a really profound um, emotional moment for me because it was like well you know that kind of maybe that is just what we're going to be dealing with and and the dad just could not let go and it's like you gotta you gotta you know change or you go down with your old ways and so he had to go jordan we got like two minutes any final thoughts on the film (laughs) that kind of dig into the (laughs) some of the things that happened (laughs) Uh, it's interesting that he, uh, you mentioned that you were really into the film after space fight. I, I too was kind of like hanging on the edge, but I think that's partly why I was so, I wasn't so disappointed. I guess I just thought again, something crazy sciencey was going to happen or like the whole mystery of everything would be explained. And I guess I'm curious how people perceive, because in my opinion, the thing that I thought like in retrospect, oh, maybe they thought this was a big revelation was that there were no aliens. And to me, I guess they didn't really slam home that fact in the movie that like there was no possibility of aliens. It was more just like, oh, our research was inconclusive. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm just like, OK, so we just don't have the technology yet or something like that. That's disappointing. Uh, but I, I guess the point if was I it didn't matter. That's that's what I got. It didn't matter whether there were aliens or not. That wasn't the main conflict of the film or even the main conflict of what humanity actually should be wrestling with. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, like so. at that point in the movie, I'm not thinking they're probably going to introduce aliens into the film, but there is something about the idea of from what I've read is like, we're alone guys. And that's like, well, that's, that's yep. profound. I just wish like Jordan, yeah. you just said that it hammered that home a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a, it was that's like, a, a that's a deep thing to get you. Like. Yeah. yeah. And like, the thing that's thre- and the thing that's threatening, question. The thing that's threatening all of Earth is like a random space ray attached to their little ship. It's like, oh, that's causing yeah. a lot of damage on so, all of Earth. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to think, like, did you want, like, the movie's runtime to be longer? Like, I'm, like, like I, mean, I was I know pretty comfortable. I would, I, okay. I, I, I didn't mind the pacing whatsoever, so I wouldn't have, honestly, I wouldn't have minded if it was another, like, 20 minutes. Like, it's, yeah, okay. Uh... I agree. But so, again, it's not, it's not like any, like, a didactic explanation of every single thing that's going on. It's just more of, the way the piece is connected, just where they're there, I get it, I see it, but like I'm looking at yeah. the picture and it's like, all right, that's fine. Like as far as yeah. Question: How did uh, what happened to Tommy Lee Jones' character in Space Cowboys, and was that an Ad Astra the exact same? I think well, it was, wasn't it? In in Space Cowboys, they're at a point. <laughs> Let me recall, <laughs> guys, gather around. We're going to talk about Space Cowboys now for two. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I'm like, your has your character now died twice by floating off into space? In Space Cowboys, that there's a point where like they can't get home unless they get rid of like extra weight, or they need to like send the rocket yeah. off that's like causing problems. And so Tommy Jones is like, I guess I got to do it. That's my best Tommy Jones. And he gets on like the rocket, and he's like, I can make it to the moon. And he makes it to the moon, and like the last shot is him like he got onto the moon with that's the satellite. Right. Or whatever and he like you saw that he takes a few steps and the camera like zooms into his space helmet where he's presumably dead so um, there's two dead tommy yeah, lee jones in space right now there's two dead tommy <laughs> lee jones in space um there's only Wild. one dead matt damon so far um <laughs> here to look here made it back uh well who else mcconaughey and hathaway they're on a planet somewhere uh um, um, we got a lot of trash out there in space guys that's what i'm saying <laughs> 
<laughs> Joseph, okay. I'll give you the final word. What, anything else you want to add about uh, Ad Astra? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think we hit all the major points uh, in terms of you know what the movie was trying to cover overall, what kind of its setbacks were. Um, I just think it's like, I think a lot of the times as an audience member, we tend to project our expectations on the the film and the script instead of just kind of submitting to where everything's going to go. And I think it becomes more enjoyable when you just let that submission process kind of take over early on. That's what I would kind of say to people who kind of jump into this movie, expecting things based on the marketing or something that what the genre typically gives us just to kind of take a step back and just like, let the movie kind of wash over you what i would suggest i think that's a fair point and with that that wraps up our spoiler section for ad astra thanks for tuning in after the credits to get to this part of the <laughs> part of the podcast